0: We are rolling and I don't know if I'm going to call you a celebrity, but Pete, you're probably the most famous person that's ever been on my show. And I'm probably the only person that calls you Pete. Everybody else that may know you knows you as Petey. And uh, that's because it's your wrestling name. So I almost feel like it's only right to, you know, introduce you as like, you know, one of those, like coming up next, you know, but I just, I don't know if that's really my thing. Right. So, uh, anyhow, Pete Williams, thanks
1: for joining, man. Hey, how's she going, eh? I, see, I say that because that's how I always start every interview in my podcast as well and stuff, but, um, you know, and, and you, you aren't the only one that calls me Pete uh, on my podcast. Dennis, the, the main host, he calls me Pete because, you know, we're close just like you and I and um, yeah, everybody else calls me Petey, so uh, it, it doesn't matter. That's my real name, so <laughs> it, it doesn't really matter, but anyways, Joe, uh, you know, thanks for having me on the Cup of Joe.
0: Thanks, man. So what's your podcast? Because I mean, obviously, it's all about my whole concept is like a little bit about business, you, you know, whatever. That's, that's always where I'm coming from. Whoever I'm talking to, it's, you know, the the thought of why I wanted to talk to the person was somehow related to business, whether we talk about business is another story. Um, So what's your podcast? What's it about? And then we'll kind of go down that path.
1: Uh, Well, the podcast, uh, in its early days, I started it, um, so I I retired, uh, from wrestling back in 2014, uh, had an old buddy named Dennis Farrell, uh, he used to work for ESPN doing their, uh, you know, uh, their podcast on like fantasy sports and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, he, he did the Ford motor company podcast and all that. So, so he's like, he was podcast before podcast was even cool. Like that, that was him. So uh, I I don't remember uh, like I was retired from 2014 2017 and um he, somewhere in that line you know I, I I missed wrestling you know obviously since I'm sure you watched it when you were like six years old too in the Hulk Hogan era and stuff it just that that was my life and then you know obviously I started different avenues and then I retired and then I missed it and then he was like hey let's do a podcast and I was like absolutely no 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 absolutely not don't want to do it. But then, you know, one day I said, all right, let's give it a shot. And I, I really liked it because at the end of the day um, and what our podcast is about is we we talk wrestling, you know, I mean, it, just like how you and I, you know, talk wrestling. Um, we're just recording it. I mean, that, that's all it was. And then we had a bunch of listeners and stuff. And anyway, so um, it's called the wrestling perspective. Uh, I kind of quit the podcast in 2020 because um, you know, 2020 just sucked. I mean, COVID, yep. all that kind of stuff. Yep. So I just, I took a break from it. Um, and then like pretty much last month in January, um, it might've been like at the very last week of December, I, we kind of started back up again And our, our podcast is about wrestling. Um, we have, a a good group of, uh, six of us. There's, there's myself, uh, Dennis, and then people that, uh, you know, the listeners here, the viewers here may know is, uh, um, first uh, Darren McCarty from the Detroit Red Wings a fourth time Stanley Cup winner um, we got Jason Kendall uh, formerly uh, from uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates we got Demetri young uh, formerly from retired from the Detroit Tigers um, once we got we got Lars uh, uh lead singer of rancid old firm casuals um, a, a slew of other bands you know like he's these businessman 101 um so that's who we got. And we seriously, we talk wrestling. We kind of all geek out for each other because, you know, they're huge wrestling fans. so They're always wanting to pick my brain. Obviously, you know, you could tell by the guitars and stuff. And, you know, you knowing me, Joe, I'm a huge uh, fan of music. And obviously I listened to Lars and rancid growing up. And then obviously, you know, I'm, I think you and I've probably been to a baseball game where we watch like Dimitri young, you know, on the (laughs) field and stuff. So, um, full circle uh, hockey games too. I mean, Darren was already retired, but still, you know, we, we've we been to wings games and all that kind of stuff. So, um, that's pretty much, you know, what we do, what we talk about. We have guests on our podcast. Um, if you're interested in wrestling or just seeing these guys shoot the breeze, uh, you know, you could download us on YouTube. We just started a channel like last month. Um, and it's called the wrestling perspective and you could subscribe and, and, and listen, we throw out at least one show a week, sometimes two, uh, sometimes all of us aren't on there. That's the benefit. Uh, when you podcast with six people, if two <laughs> people can't make it, okay, great. Four of us will be on. Um, so I'm not on every one. I, I commit pretty much, uh, w- one time a week to that just because of all the other things going on. We all, we're all busy, sure. Um, but that's what it is. And, um, you know, we're, we're always looking for more listeners and we have a phone in number and all that kind of stuff. If you want to ask questions and social media, you name it.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, that's kind of the thing today, right, is interactive, you know, in some manner, whether it be, you know, uh, swipe up to comment, whether it be, you know, commenting on a YouTube page, I mean, everyone wants to be able to have or feel like they have, you know, uh, the ability to talk to whoever it is, you know, whether it's a someone with seven million or 70 million followers or someone with seven followers. So, so that's pretty cool. Especially the phone number because everyone's not even today in 2021, everyone's not social media friendly. So to have the dial in number, which of course is, you know, at least as old as us, right? Like we used to have a phone number to call and try to get what the inside tip was on wrestling this week and stuff like that. So kind of funny, it's almost like even a throwback to, uh, to those types of things. So you know, it's funny. You and I have we obviously you know met and as neighbors and things like that, and um, we've talked tons about wrestling. Yet I don't know if I've ever asked, and it's it's really was one of the things that was kind of curious about. Here was you said it. You know, I was probably a four or five or six year old Hulkamaniac, you know, and liked the Ultimate Warrior and just love wrestling and as a kid, you know, when you'd go to career day or whatever, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, it was like kids want to be an astronaut, kids want to drive a monster truck, and I wanted to be a wrestler, right? But I got older and it wasn't that I didn't want to be a wrestler, is that I didn't think it was possible. It was like I don't even know how you do it. Right. How did you go down that path of saying, you know, I'm gonna figure out how to do it. Like I'm going to learn how to wrestle. I'm going to, I mean, how do you, you know, and this is actually even kind of pre Google, right? So this is like the nineties. So you're not Googling it. So how'd you go down that path and decide, yeah, I'm going to stick with this.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was like, I don't know. I think we were only at like, it happened on a WrestleMania. I remember that. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it was like WrestleMania 15, 16. I was only like 18 years old, I think at the time. And uh, but, you know, going way back when I was six years old, when I saw my first, like, wrestling video that my, I don't know, grandpa or dad showed me or whatever back, you know, the VHS videos. Yeah. And I just, you know, fell in love with it. I was in awe of, like, you know, some people like GI Joes or superheroes and all that kind of stuff. Well, these were my superheroes. This is, you know, people that I looked up to. Uh, I, obviously, anybody from uh, our era, we, they were Hulkamaniacs just because – uh, you know, WWE, WWF at the time, their business model was um, this is going to be the guy that you cheer for. This is the guy that we're putting the machine behind. This is the guy all the merchandise is going. This is the guy we're going to portray as the superman of our company. And we all bought into it, right? Back in the 80s, you know, early 90s, we all bought into it. Um, so I don't want to do that since I was a kid. I obviously. You know, everybody wants to, when they're a kid, I want to be a fireman. I want to be a pop star. I want to be a rock star. Whatever you say, me, I want to be a wrestler. And then, you know, right when I was uh, it was 95, I remember, because it was that uh, Woodstock number two, 25-year anniversary, um, I kind of stopped watching it. I started getting into music and stuff, and my buddy at the time wasn't a wrestling fan, and he said, you know, it's not cool to like wrestling. And at that time in 95, they, they the the business was down. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it really, really isn't cool. You know, it didn't become cool again until that attitude era that I'm sure everybody knows like stone cold in the rock. That's when it started getting cool again. Um, So I kind of stopped. I kind of, you know, got into girls and stuff like that and just dip, took a different path. And then all of a sudden, right before the attitude era, I kind of got back into it. A couple of my buddies that I was in high school with, they were like, um, like, who's this DX group? Who's Mike? T- Why is Mike Tyson in wrestling? Who's this stone cold? And they started liking it. And I'm like, Oh, is this cool again?
2: Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: cool. I guess it's okay to watch now. <laughs> um, so then the, the passion happened again. I wanted to be a pro wrestler. And, you know, I remember I was 18. I was at this bar in, in Canada. You gotta be 19 to drink, but you get be in the bar, just like in the U S like at 18 years old. Uh, but the owner kicked us out, even though like we were paying customers, we, we bought food He said, um, you know, you could we couldn't stay there for the full three hours of WrestleMania because he wasn't going to make any money off of us. Um, So, you know, we left. I watched it at home. But during that time when I was at the bar, uh, there was a flyer on the table and it said Border City Wrestling. And it had like it was like black and white. I I, I think it was black and white, but it had all these names. And I was like, I don't know if they had like honky tonk man on the show, like somebody that was old school that we grew up watching was on the show, like a mid card type guy
2: sure. and then a bunch
1: of other local guys. And I'm like, Whoa, look at this. And, you know, I'm with my, my friends that like wrestling and I'm like, Oh, I'd love to do something like this. And the guy right next to the table just got lucky. He was like, Hey, are, are you serious? Like you want to be a wrestler? You want to, you want to train? And I said, well, yeah. And he said, uh, we'll call that number and ask for Scott the And you know, I, I called it. Um, I asked for him as back in the landline days, I left a message. I think, uh, he called me back a little bit later on the next day and he said, okay, you want to be a pro wrestler, you know, kind of t- talking to me about the price and stuff. Asked me how old I was. He's like, how tall are you? I'm like, you know, a five foot nothing. And he's like, how much do I, am I a hundred or nothing? And he's like, all right, well, you got to put on size. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, and he's like, all right, um, I'm going to be out of town. I think this is when he was working for WCW at the time doing an enhancement stuff. And he said, I'll, I'll get, I'll get in touch with you. He never got in touch with me. And then, you know, at the time I'm working out, I'm getting into shape. You know, I started working out, I think, uh, you know, like a year prior, cause you know, I really wanted to pursue this. I just, I didn't know how, like this was yeah. my, end. and it's different now. You can just like go online and be like, Hey, will you train me? Kind of be like, yeah, you got the money. Okay. Let's do this. Like it's nothing like that.
2: Sure.
1: And I, I went to this local really small gym and the guy working behind the counter, he was like the desk clerk slash the personal trainer slash the janitor slash everything. Right. Um, and I worked out late at night and, you know, he was a wrestling fan. We start talking, you know, shooting the breeze and stuff. And, uh, you know, we both kind of said we want to, and I think any wrestling fan is like, I want to do this. Right. But nobody really pursues it. We both said that to each other. And then he actually ran into a guy at like uh, a, a store that worked there, and he was a local wrestler. And he shot, you know, talked to him about that, and he said, "Oh yeah, we have a training facility in Windsor, and there, there is one." I like, I had no idea before that, like this hidden training facility. It's like a fight club or something like that. And, um, you know, he was invited there. He went, and I asked him how it was, and he said, "Yeah, you, you're invited if you want to come try it out and stuff." And I went, and. Um, you know, just gave it my all and the, the rest is history, I guess.
0: And, and so for anyone that doesn't know, so yes, you're from Windsor, you know, Ontario, Canada. And, uh, so you eventually start working for at the time TNA wrestling, which uh, was total nonstop action, but obviously was a cute play on TNA, especially based on what the era that we were kind of coming out of but still somewhat vulgar moving away from some of some of that thanks to you know some of the sponsors over at at wwe not wanting to uh you know pay it's like snickers you know supposedly you know not wanting to pay uh millions and then have two women coming out with practically no clothes on and performing sexual acts and blood and all this other stuff right so so now we've got this cute play tna and but it's not on tv right it's like it's pay-per-view only like the model doesn't even make sense to me um here you have the the largest promotion in the world and they're on tv at the time once or twice a week um again we don't really have youtube and stuff like that and then you've got a you there's always been you know smaller shows whether those smaller shows i mean when you're comparing it to potentially 20,000 small could be, I guess, 10,000. It could be 10, right? So there's always been smaller shows and, and companies out there. How in the hell does pay-per-view only pick up enough steam that eventually becomes a, a legit competitor for a while on TV, you know, with great wrestling, actually. Um, there was actually quite a few great great wrestlers and, and wrestling matches that, that went on, you know, in this timeframe yeah well, so i should mention sorry and i should mention also a six-sided ring instead of a four-sided ring <laughs> so <it's>, well
1: <laughs> uh it started off with a four-sided ring but we'll get to the six side and uh, their 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 thought behind that um so i believe you know the two main competitors at the time with the monday night wars uh battling back and forth uh you know was wcw and wwe they're going back and forth and i think uh you know, like WCW won for 82 weeks and then all of a sudden it turned around and maybe it was 86 weeks. And then that turned around and WWE had the steam and pretty much WCW is out of business, bad business model. When it comes to WCW, they signed a lot of guys, um, gave them a lot of control of storylines and stuff. So, um, a lot of, you know, leaders, not enough followers, and they couldn't, they, they were handcuffed. They couldn't write the best show possible because, uh, I know they have tried before. I've heard stories from them and, they say, "Oh yeah, this is, like, this is gonna be a perfect show." And then somebody will edit. It. It's like, "Yeah, we can't do that because that guy hates that guy in real life, and they won't work t- together." And then this guy refuses to, you know, lose, and that guy's kind con- like just so much stuff. And you know, it it ties it handcuffs them. Yeah. So they went under. I can't remember. I, I don't know if it was two thousand or early two thousand one before the whole nine eleven thing. But um, they went under. And then in two thousand two, so n- now they have a monopoly. WWE has a monopoly. And there, there's nothing else, Um, not on TV anyways. So then fast forward to 2002, Jeff Jarrett, um, formerly from WWE, but he was also in WCW, has now he's working back for Vince McMahon and stuff like that. But before, you know, he held him up for a bunch of money and stuff and just they had a really bad falling out. Bridge was burned, all that kind of stuff. So um, a lot of the guys...
0: I don't mean to jump in and cut you off, but we should probably know Jeff Jarrett had quite a name through Southern promotions, big promotions outside of WWF, WWE, um, and even WCW prior to. So, you know, he comes from kind of a history here and almost was almost kind of like a more of a caricature of his of his actual real character, you know, when he was on WWF as, you know, the the country singing almost like a re- repeat honky-tonk man type thing but the point I, I say all that just to kind of point in like you know obviously I know some of the story here that Jeff was not just some random wrestler dude who was disgruntled that decided you know to go down the path that I, I think you're going to lead us down <laughs> so
1: yeah no no and he wasn't but you know I mean right now you have a lot a lot of talent and you know that's what we call wrestlers talent uh out of work Um, a lot of guys had, uh, you know, from, from Turner broadcasting, they had a lot of, uh, guaranteed money contract where they just had to sit at home, uh, for a while and collect it. If they chose not to do that and work for WWE, then, you know, that contract was null and void and then they wouldn't get all that money. So a a lot of money was thrown around at this time. Um, but then a lot of guys that were kind of like mid carters, they were just kind of okay, like, what, what do I do now? And there was a lot of up-and-coming stars now that you'll see on WWE and, you know, Impact Wrestling and all over the place now. Um, but in 2002, you know, Jeff Jarrett decided, he's like, hey, you know, we can't get a TV contract right now, but what we can do is we can, uh, we can buy pay-per-view. You know, like, that's how you can do it. Like, anybody can get a pay-per-view if they got the money. You know, there's a satellite feed and stuff that costs a bunch of money, but, um, you know, it's pay-per-view. You are paying for your success or failure. And TV, it's a lot different. So they did that from 2002 to about 2004. Uh, I entered um, TNA at the time in 2004. It was February, and that day that I came in, and they were like you said, they were very R-rated, sometimes X-rated. You know, there was a there was a time that before I got there where there was a, a female in the ring. I don't know if there was, she was with another female, but then the top got ripped off, and then you know the exposed breasts and stuff, and th- that's what they're going for. They're like we're on pay per view. Uh, we can give you great wrestling. We can give you X rated, R rated type stuff. We can swear. They can't do that on the other one. That, that's how they're kind of battling it. And we're still in that era where, you know, Jerry Springer, like that sure. smut television, was still kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so they did that the day that I, I went there. I think they started going PG. You know, there was no more swearing. Uh, you know, they had cage dancers. They were clothed, but very scantily clad. Yeah, Um, they were gone. And it's because at that time in 2004, they started um, uh, teaming up with or, you know, the big sponsor was Panda Energy and Panda Energy at the time was, you know, one of the top five, you know, energy companies in the United States. And they were based out of Texas. And uh, people probably know the story. Dixie Carter was the one, um, you know, was the daughter of uh, like the head of Panda. And like, this was kind of her project. And then she had all the the leverage and just, I guess the, the the people that she knew. And then that's how um, pretty much it was June of 2004, like very first week of June. That's when we did our first um, televised, like on, on national television show. And it was on Fox sports net. And it was an hour show. Uh, we still did the weekly pay-per-views because um, I don't know why exactly, but we did the weekly pay-per-views on Wednesday that was still going on. Probably because we were still trying to. We got buy rates from it, so we were still getting money in that and all that kind of stuff. So they probably didn't want to immediately get rid of that. Um, so we, we had the year contract with Fox Sports Net that was uh, from June, um, and then with that, that's where the six-sided ring come, came in. You know, we were still called TNA. Um, And then right now at this point in our, in the company's history, now we're starting to backpedal with that name. You know, obviously you use that name if you're going through the channels on direct TV or whatever, and you see, oh, what's TNA, what's TNA wrestling. And I don't know why they thought that, because if you turn it on and you're, you're expecting to see a TNA, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that bad kind. And you turn that on. You're like, why are, what, what is this? You're going to be more upset. I, I feel, yeah. but you know, it's just to Absolutely. catch the eye and, and catch the viewer that, that that's what they were going for.
2: Yeah.
1: And you know, and a, a, eventually their, their business model did change. We were very PG. We, we went down and we were filming at universal studios in a soundstage. So we're very Disney at this time, you know, it's still a little edgy, but we're not swearing on the air. We don't have, you know, uh, the 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 R and X rated type stuff that we had going on, um, and then eventually, shortly, uh, and the six sided ring. Going back to that, all it was to do was if somebody's looking at this on television now, on network television. Oh, what's the six sided ring? This doesn't look like WWE with the four sided ring. So they're, they're they just want something. They're doing anything to catch the eyes of viewers. Sure. And then come, I think September, we we dropped the weekly pay-per-views we were just doing the tv and then we went to that you know wwe business model where uh we would do a monthly pay-per-view and hopefully get more buy rates with that rather than like spread them out throughout the week and obviously we would build up our, our television shows towards the the monthly pay-per-views um and that's kind of the model that we still adopted and it wasn't until later on when we had you know hulk hogan and stuff step in that they, they totally dropped the TNA name because, you know, it's tough when you you have Hulk Hogan and you're going into a business meeting looking for sponsors and they're like, you know, Mr. Hogan, like explain what this TNA thing is. And then the, the first like 10 minutes of the conversation or whatever it is, he's pretty much explaining how it's, no, it's not what you think. And he has to explain how pretty much what I just explained, like, no, it's not that it's this and this was our business model before we're switching it around and that's why we're called impact now. But yet if you watch the show, you could see that we're still mentioning TNA because it kind of has a cult following. People remember TNA and you don't realize at the time that you're making history and you're doing something good in business and uh, people are going to remember it. But when you look back on it, people are like, Ooh, I wish they were still TNA again. People always want something uh, in the past, that happened in the past. Like I want it. I want it to be like that again. I. I always want. It doesn't work that way. We can only go forward. But, um, yeah. The the business model has always changed. We even went to Global Force Wrestling at one point and merged those. And oh man, I, <laughs> a, a lot of stuff. With they've been around now for. I think, well, it'll be uh, twenty years next year. I think, so.
2: Yeah. Sounds
0: right. It yeah,
1: seems to be a pretty good business model.
0: Which is a long time in this industry, you know, to be a legitimate, you know, name, be on TV, that type of stuff. I mean, again, if if anyone's got the money, they can put a wrestling ring. You see the backyard wrestling on, you know, back in the day on VHS, now on YouTube. That's not wrestling, you know. I mean, it's it's some sort of performance, but that's not that's not wrestling. And um, so anybody could do that, but not anyone can can have a business that is uh generating you know income for 20 years or almost 20 years. So it is it is definitely something. And the here's here's the other part about your business that is always so I say I wanted to and maybe I would have gone to the school had I known it existed. And of course it was probably 20 minutes from me since I grew up in Detroit. But before you get to TNA and after you learn a little bit, I mean you are wrestling like in gymnasiums and, you know, VFW style halls and you are performing in front of a hundred people and you are performing in less than conditions overall, right? Cause it might be someone who didn't even know they were coming to a wrestling show. It might be someone who decides to get loaded up on booze and go, you know, watch the guys or it could be great fans, the best fans of all time but yet you're in a place that the ring isn't, you know, staying together. Um, It's harder than normal. What in the world after you get started says, makes you say, I'm going to keep doing
2: this.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's, it's different. Everybody loves, you know, I feel like something in their life that they just, everybody has goals or at least people that are motivated have goals. Um, but everybody has a goal, like whether it's getting out of bed every day or whatever the case may be, my, you know, my goal, this was my goal when I first got into the wrestling business, my first day at the school, like even, even before walking in there, I, I, I told, uh, my mentor, my trainer, Scott DeMora, I said, you know, my goal is to have one wrestling match in front of a live crowd. Mm-hmm. That's it. That, that was my goal at the time. I mean, I started off small and it, and it got big. Um, and you know, I, I I know, like at the time when I broke into that business, um, my style of wrestling, the 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 cruiserweight, the lightweight, um, wasn't a big thing, even across the world. You know, now you have guys like Conor McGregor who are the top draw of you know UFC and stuff. It's not the heavyweights or whatever. It used to be like mm-hmm. the Ken Shamrocks and stuff like that. Even with um you know, boxing and stuff, you know, the Mike Tyson's and the heavyweight, Evander Holyfield, all that kind of stuff. But now who's the biggest draw? You know, it's the guys that are, I mean, we're not going to talk Tyson Fury and stuff, but the biggest draw is uh, Mayweather. Right? right. And he's smaller than me. So, I mean, it was a big transition where I think people were tired of just watching the, okay, this is kind of boring. I mean, they're just waiting for that knockout punch because, you know, bigger guys do move slower, not Mike Tyson, but you know what I mean? Generally, and. Now they want more excitement. You know, that's just how we evolve e- even anything in life. Everybody wants stuff now. They want it fast. They want it, you know, like all that kind of stuff. Um, so to evolve. So at the time, you know, when I was breaking in, that was my goal because I never thought I would make it anywhere close to even television. I'm like, oh, I, I might be able to be a referee someday. <laughs> um, but I, I never, I never thought of that. And even with the he was a very, he's a very smart businessman. He has a bunch of businesses over in Windsor and stuff like that. Um, he's a very smart businessman. He, he understood that, you know, I had the passion, the drive to succeed in this business. Um, but wrestling in front of all those, you know, like you said, those gymnasiums and stuff like that's part of paying your dues. You know, when people start a business and that's pretty much what I am, I'm my, I'm an independent contractor. I, I am my own business pretty much. Um you have to start out small. I don't know anybody that's like, you know, uh, Jeff Bezos or whatever. It's like, yeah, you know, I just, I started with millions and millions and billions of dollars and uh, everything just worked. No, you got to start somewhere, have the right team, get lucky and go from there. Um, so I knew I had to pay my dues and after I had my first match, I'm like, Ooh, I want to do this again and again and again. And at the time I'm, I'm getting my education in school, um, getting my degree and stuff into and more very smart businessman again um even though TNA was around when I was still in school, he didn't want to take me there. He's he understands that the, the business of wrestling is so fickle. It can go up and down. I'm very grateful that I'm still in it. Um, you know, 21 years later. But he understands that you need something to fall back on. So it, he made sure while I was training and doing all my paying my dues and doing my independent wrestling circuit. Um he, he said, finish your school. That's what he did. And that's what I did. And once I finished it, it was almost immediately, a few months later, he was like, hey, there's an opportunity for you, an uh, impact I think it would be good for you, or TNA at the time. Yeah. And I went down there, and things just happened. I got very lucky. Um, I was able to think on my feet and stuff. And it, w- it was pretty much sink or swim. That's what the business is. And I think that's what any business is. You either sink or you swim. And they put me on my the spot uh very quickly. I told you the story before, Joe. Um but it, it, it was like if I don't succeed right now in this next twenty minutes that I have to prepare for this match, um they're they're never gonna look at me the same again. And you know I was able to do it. And that's you know part of paying your dues, you know, wrestling for years prior before you get there. Just like if, if you're a businessman, if you're in real estate or whatever if if a curveball gets thrown at you in your first year you might not know how to you know hit that but 4 years later you're like okay i have the knowledge i have the know-how i know how to you know, go forward from here um so yeah it's just about paying your dues um being smart when it comes to business and you know succession planning pretty much so like right now uh even though i took a year off of of wrestling cuz of covid i'm back i am not wrestling they want me to wrestle but um it's just not the right time for the company anyways, because everything that's going on, they're they're merging with other businesses right now if you're following wrestling. Yep. Um, but you know, I'm doing a lot, a lot of production and backstage stuff. Um and just my track record, even though I've been off for a year, you know, the more trust me so much that probably the biggest match that we just had in a very long time in our our company. He, he put me in charge of it behind the camera like live, making sure that all the the stuff is being portrayed right of the story that we're trying to tell to the fans um so that that means a lot to me that i I've built my independent you know contracting status and my business and me and who I am so well that people know what to expect uh you know when they ask upon me for things,
0: sure, which. So, again, let's assume that at this point, anyone, you know, listening's a wrestling fan, you know, you see the same thing with uh, a lot of guys. And sometimes when we see a match, you know, we know probably who, you know, booked that match or wrote that match or whatever because of how it goes. You know, like, uh, I I guess I won't go into like specific examples, but there's just times where you have an idea that the talent or the match was done by Triple H versus Vince McMahon, was done by, you know, maybe Cody Rhodes versus Chris Jericho. You know, things like that, right? Not because one guy's good and one guy's bad. You just kind of start to learn their styles and see matches and have an idea at times, you know, who who kind of put those things together. Um, and so, you know, so yeah, so now you're kind of like corporate, right? Behind the scenes, mm-hmm. and uh, but that's like I mean that's something you've kind of had a knack for again just me and you talking I know that you've always been one of those guys that people maybe would you know tap your shoulder and, and talk to you about the business and, and at the minimum say oh it's, it's an interesting you know it's an interesting take you know or, or, or actually put things into the matches that you were seeing on tv so you've kind of been involved with some of that even before now um is it harder or easier than being out i mean technically speaking we're not performing you're not performing in front of anybody live right now but you you will be again so we'll just assume you know is it easier to, to be behind the scenes um running things or out in front of people where literally the camera's on you and if you make a mistake 100 percent people see it
1: <laughs> um i mean they're both hard in their own sense uh You know, sometimes I just want to do my match and go home and just worry about me. You know, Um, I'm sure if you, if anybody listening has been a a manager or a supervisor in any role, um, you you realize that other people's problems become your problems to manage, and that's what it's like. Um, But you know, every other job that I've had, I've always been in a supervisor management role. Um, I always get stuck into that. It's not like I always get forced into it pretty much. So, um, you no, know, when I, when I first started doing the the production, uh, I was actually not working for TNA. I was, it might've been like 2009 or 2010. Um, I worked for this company called Lucha Libre USA. We filmed in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, and, uh, they were on MTV 2 I think that was their, uh, was their home. And I, I came on, on our season two and the, the the their big business model was you know tapping into the latino fans so you know the good guys were the the masked wrestlers latino and then i portrayed don't know how cuz everybody knows if they know me they know i'm canadian 100% right i played this like evil american right where i was like super right-winged um you know it's back when the immigration thing was pretty big in like 2009 2010 and there was a representative um I don't know if Senator or, or, or whatever the case may be, Jan Brewer. And the guy that I was teamed with uh, in our faction was uh, R.J. Brewer, right. You know, that kind of thing. So we were super against immigration and stuff like that. That, that was our business model and it got a lot of fans behind it. The reason I got into production with that is that a lot of, <laughs> at that point I have been, you know, on TV every single week for like, you know, five years. So even though I never was a producer, I understood what producers are looking for and then when i see the the wrestlers go out there and you know it's really weird because all the all the you know fans are behind you so you want to turn around and you want to acknowledge them and there's nobody here there's maybe a couple rows but that's where the millions of people are at watching and when I, i'll see everybody playing there i'm like guys I, yeah that's sweet there, there's like hundreds of people back there but there's millions that you're missing in the camera You know, and I just got fed up. I'm like, if I'm going to be on the show, you know, and be in this business, I want it to be the best possible, you know, show that we can put out. And then I kind of, you know, told, um, you know, the the head vice president and I said, yeah, you're doing A, B and C wrong. And I didn't know how he was going to respond to it. But then pretty much, you know, the next day I talked to him, he's like, hey, do you want to you want to produce for us? Because they realized I had the experience. And then from there, you know, everybody's got to start somewhere. Like, I, I really didn't know what I was doing. Right. But I kind of winged it at the time, you know, like just fake it till you make it. And then when I went back to to uh, Impact, um, you know, Scott, Demore knew I used to do for his local TV show, I used to do some production and it was the same thing. Uh, I was actually wrestling active wrestler full time and having to wrestle multiple. The way our business model is, is we'll film uh, multiple shows in like a few days so that they'll air. You know, saves on travel, saves on everything, right? Hotel costs, all that kind of stuff. So we'll film multiple shows and then air them at a later date. And Scott was like, hey, I know you said, you know, you're interested in agenting here and producing here. Uh, do you, you want to take my match over for me? And this is before he was the vice president. He was working his way up. And I said, yeah, sure. And, you know, who and when? He said, yeah, it's it's between Seidel and, you know, Desmond. And, um, okay, when you up? Uh I think they're up next. So I think you got like three minutes to get with them and I'm like, <gasps> you know what I mean? It's one of those things again. They put you on the spot, sink or swim. And you know, it was kind of you know, sketchy a little bit, but I I did not sink. And then now, you know, they understand uh, you know, that they can utilize me. And right now I'm just producing throughout my career from 2017 till 2020, I was doing both. Like I was literally producing a match, getting dressed, wrestling. Um Telling the producer of my match what to do, what to do, and then um, not even getting undressed and running back to the production truck to to do the next match, and it's just chaotic for hours on end. But I loved it. I mean, that's that's if you love your business that you're in, you're gonna do that type of stuff. And uh, and and the problem with this business is nobody likes to help each other out because if you teach somebody your skills, and I think this is in any business. You know, if, if you told, took me, if you taught me all your skills, Joe, you'd be like, Ooh, now I'm in competition with them. Cause we live in the same market, all that kind of stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, but I don't, I don't care about that stuff. I've learned from an, you know, my mentors and stuff to pay it forward. And a lot of guys that never have, you know, done production before they get hired on and as a tryout and I'll take them to the trucks, I'll show them how to do it and stuff like that. And these are guys that I used to look up to. And then sure enough, they get hired by wwe or something like that um and that's happened like several several times in this case um so that that's to to answer your question i it's easier my body to just do the production obviously um it's just a a different sort of not stress but it's just different yeah Um, doing doing both is um that that that's a tough day at the office
0: yeah yeah i would imagine uh especially because your your style like you said is more you know a little bit more flying uh fast through the ring some some acrobatics you know things like that so there's not if you slow down and put some guy in a headlock uh to catch your breath you're losing your fans whereas maybe if like the undertaker does it to Kane. No one thinks anything of it because these are two six foot ten guys, and you think, oh, these are big, powerful guys, so he's just trying to kill them, you know? <laughs> Whereas when we see guys that are six feet or five nine or even six two sometimes, so some of these guys are so monstrous that a six two guy seems small, right? And so you start seeing that and you, you want the action. When do we get to the point when it's too much action? I mean, I've been to a couple of our Ring of Honor shows and. It's like, you know, backflip after backflip after backflip after backflip after. I mean, I could probably say that word 10 more times, you know. Um, it's kick out after kick out after kick out, you know, like not every single match, but there's a lot of them. And, you know, at what point or is that just that's Ring of Honor, that's their thing. And maybe some other, you know, companies, you know, at what point do, do we start to see that type of evolution of, OK, we, we want to see. PD's Canadian destroyer, but I don't want to see you hit it three times and still not win your match too. You know, Um, I always find that part interesting. So now we're getting a little bit more geeky about the the business, but, um, you know, at, at the end
1: of the day, what we're trying to do is we're trying to, we're trying to tell a story. We're trying to, you know, get, uh, the viewers, uh, the fans and the audience, um, involved, like emotionally connected, you know, the, the good part about this, the wrestling business is we have the opportunity to do that. Unlike, you know, I shouldn't say real sports, but, you know, unlike, uh, unscripted sports. So, you know, every single match, we have the opportunity to say, okay, it's the bottom of the ninth bases are loaded, you know, full, full count Um, you're down by three okay this last pitch is coming we can create that every single match if we want it so that's what it comes down to and if you if you've ever seen that scenario um, at at a baseball game everybody's on their feet waiting like you know holding their breath and stuff that's what we that's what we strive for and you know we fail a lot but sometimes we succeed Um, and that's what it comes down to it's it's not all uh, always about like you know, who's going to do the most, most athletic thing. I am not the most athletic guy. You know, I've, I've, at the time I I was, but now these guys, like I look at some of these guys, I'm like, I don't even know how you, 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 you do that. Like you're, you're, you must be a gymnast or something, you know? Um, so I don't know when is too much, as long as it makes sense and you're telling the story, then yeah. But I've always told the, you know, all the younger guys, I'm like, you know, this, this ain't a race, it's a marathon, you know, you you don't want to just race to the next, you know, the action or whatever you need, ti- fans, you, you need time for the fans to react and people to like, acknowledge what you just, what you just did, um, and and slow down and all that kind of stuff. So that's where the, the mentorship comes into play. Um, and I, I think right now, like last year in 2020, 2019, the Canadian destroyer, that flipping pile driver that I start using in, 2003 it was all over the place now you don't see anybody do it because they kind of killed it and that's what happens in this business you you you're looking for reactions and stuff and people to talk on social media it's just it's a different business now um and you know the gifts gifs, whatever you want to call them that wasn't around when i started right so you know people are just i guess you know doing their matches like oh this is going to be a good gif online or whatever, like a little good snippet. And then people are going to see the views and all that kind of stuff. That's what everybody's shooting for nowadays. But then you have guys that, you know, make the most money in this business. Like, you know, the John Cena's and the Randy Orton's and the edges, they don't do any of that stuff, but they're really good at telling a story. They're really good at getting people emotionally involved and invested and connected to them, and. That is the core of pro wrestling. Um, and, and that's what we're always striving for in this business.
0: So you kind of, you started going down, you know, a great path, I think. Um, so first of all, so you're part of an organization that is, you know, still growing. Everybody's still growing, but still growing. And on TV, you guys have recently cross-promoted with, um, one of the other really large companies, AEW. Mm -hmm. And then we've got, of course, WWE and with no fans, you know, we're, we're only watching it on TV. Nobody's going. So you can't judge gate, you know, like are people interested because it sells, sells out or what have you. So we're only known by TV, but like one of the things that is really interesting. I mean, I'm in a little Facebook group of wrestling fans and honestly, we trash WWE probably more than we, you know, say things good about it. Um, it's just they have they have the opportunity for more home runs, kind of like your bottom of the ninth, you know, opportunity, right? So so they still have a great program because they still have some great things. They just have enough crappy things that makes fans, you know, pissed. But anyways, the point is, is their ratings are down. Yet somebody literally, while I was, like, you know, getting ready this morning, um, posted that they're getting, like, 2 billion YouTube views a month for their content. Um, that's a lot of use. <laughs> that's a lot of use. Yep. Is there a movement? Are you thinking like, you know, we need to be performing more for the internet than we maybe need to be focusing on TV? Not, not in a, you know, I know your your TV sponsors don't want you to say yes to that, but you know what I'm saying? You're performing in a way that you're at least combining the two thinking some of this has to be really good for YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, whatever the hell. And then some of it's gonna to have to be good for tnt on Wednesday night. Um
1: well I mean I don't think it'll affect our sponsors because I think uh, you know You're not watching
0: this right now? <laughs> yeah,
1: right. No. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> I'm Impact <watching> is <laughs> <laughs> Impact's the subsidiary of uh you know um Anthem uh entertainment that's based out of Canada and then they're uh don't want to get too into it but you know they they own a portion of access tv i don't know if they're majority holder you know as not as well as like uh you know mark cuban and steve Harvey, right. like they they own portions of that too um so when you when you own the television network eh, you know obviously you don't want to upset your sponsors and stuff like that but um yeah i mean it, if before the internet all we had to judge success of a business or a television product is ratings uh, you know, the, the Nielsen ratings. And I mean, how, I don't know how accurate those are back then or even now, right. You know, you had a few people with the boxes and stuff like that. And they're, I guess, judging the demograph. I mean, I, whatever. Um, Now they're actually able to, based on downloads, they can track every single download and every single view that is way more uh, you, you, like, like a pinpoints, like the numbers don't lie pretty much. Um, And now you look at somebody like in, AEW or whatever and they're you know when when they have uh 850,000 viewers or a million viewers they're like that's a success you know whereas back before the internet you you had wrestling and WWE was doing like millions and millions of viewers a week and I yeah their ratings are down but that's why they're branching out into like you know NBC and Peacock and stuff like that uh, and you know their own network and yeah, you need other avenues because think about it. Everybody's a cord cutter now. I don't even have cable, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I, I get my stuff through the internet and other things and, you know, the Netflix and all that kind of other business models. Just that's what's evolving. And yeah, the cable companies I do feel are in trouble because they're even like HBO. They're like, oh, man, you know, and that's why they had the HBO Max and they're, they're, they're switching their business model. Everybody's switching their business model. So, and like back when we were after Fox Sports Net, we were on Spike TV, our ratings, uh, they said were horrible, but we're getting like over a million, over a million viewers. And they're saying that's bad because WW was doing like three, 4 million right now, the same ratings would be considered, uh, would be the top of the industry. It's yeah, just, yeah. it's changed. You look at the 2 billion views a week or whatever you said, 2 million views a week. That's a more accurate representation of who's watching the product you know, and I look at, you know, the impact channel and we have, I don't know how many subscribers, millions of subscribers. It's like, it shows that, okay, our business model is successful. Not everybody gets access TV that we're on. And that's why we have our own Twitch channel and you can watch it for the cord cutters out there. You can watch our product on Twitch and we can get downloads there and all that kind of stuff. So we're in a very interesting era right now um, where it is a huge transition and especially we're more virtual now than ever with COVID. I mean, it's almost like uh, is there going to be fans again?
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: It'll be really interesting I think um, because I know that people want to go to big events, right? If somebody called me right now and told me that I could fly out to Tampa for the Super Bowl but I can't be within I have to be within six feet of people and I can't wear a mask, I'd probably take my chances. You know, I want I'd love to go to the Super Bowl, it'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um but if somebody said, uh, I'll give you a season tickets to the Lions next year, any team. I don't I mean, I'm just using the Lions. Um, same rules apply. I'd be like, no, are you crazy? Like, yeah. I'm not doing that, right? So with that being said, you know, I wouldn't be I would I would be interested in going to, say, a WrestleMania, um, assuming that I can buy some energy drinks because they're like 27 hours long now. But, you know, I'd be interested in going to a WrestleMania, but I would not just go to a house show right now, packed house show. You know, like if it was literally available, say, April 1st, you know. Um, so it will be really intriguing to see what happens as things open up. And as uh, people can get back to things, I know everybody would love to, quote, return to normal. But I also think that there will be some things that people are going to just say, you know what, it's just not worth it anymore. Um, It was always gross being around all those people anyways. It was always gross going to those packed bathrooms, you know, so forget it. So, yeah, it'd be uh, really, really intriguing. And especially, as as you said, with the TV stuff um, slash Internet, you know. Maybe a, a new, you know, revolution. I know it's a term that's been used in the industry, but a revolution, you know, around the industry uh, is is coming soon. You know, if it's not already happening now, I don't know.
1: Yeah, and I, it it probably is. Uh, I know, you know, we have the vaccine going out. I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to talk about COVID or the vaccine or anything like that because yeah. so everybody has their <laughs> <laughs>
2: um let's go down there.
1: No, let's let's not talk politics. You know, I'll just uh I for for certain reasons I did get vaccinated. Um, you know, I got my second shot coming up and it's just you, you know, I I did it more for other people, especially if I'm going to be in the wrestling business and stuff. Um I believe I'm probably only the only person on our roster that's been vaccinated. Um but you know, I mean we take proper precautions. We're doing you know, COVID testing and stuff like that. There, Um, and I, I, I feel even if you like when I go to the gym, uh, you know, as soon as I check in, they take your temperature via the electronic, whatever, and everywhere you go. And that's, it's. I, I look at it like nine eleven. There was no TSA before that, and now it's like okay, we need everybody needs a sense of security to show that you know it's safe, and, and that's what we're doing with the temperature checks and stuff. Um, so you know, for me to get vaccinated. You could say what you want about it. I'm, I'm not here to argue with anybody about that. If they're for it or against it, uh, I did go back and forth, but um, it just shows that like, okay, if that's what you believe in, you know, I, I, I care enough that I'm going to get vaccinated and, you know, yeah. go about our business and stuff. And maybe that's what it comes down to, uh, to get all the fans back in, you know, to go back to normal. I know like when I was younger there was no chicken pox vaccines. I, I got it when I was older, I was like 14 or 15. And it maybe 60. I don't know. But it was like the worst ever, because you know, when you get older with it, it's it and my brother who was seven years older than me, got it from his son. And he was like in his early 20s. And he was hospitalized.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, and now they have vaccines for it. Now there's nobody gets chickenpox anymore. Right. And like, it's just really weird. Like, even though it's just so weird to me that we're on lockdown because the chicken pox was a thing and it, it can kill like really kill, uh, you know, older people. Um, but we weren't locking down over that stuff. <laughs> like that, that's what I kind of relate it to. But, um, I'm really hoping the day we get the fans back, it is very, very, very weird when we're filming this stuff and there's no fans in the audience. Um, we just recently started piping in the crowd noise, so it doesn't seem as awkward when you're watching it that the, just so you know, the wrestlers can't hear it when you're watching it on TV, nor can the commentators, uh, if we're doing it live, um, there's no crowd noise you hear a pin drop. Right. Uh, but when it comes across on television, you can hear the crowd noise and people know it's fake, but at least I I think it adds to the product. Everybody knows wrestling is pretty determined and scripted. So yeah, the crowd noise is, you know, fake too. Yeah. So, I mean, why not? We're we're all in
0: this together, right? Um, well, the one thing that made it, because, like, you know, watching football games and there's all this noise, and I'm like, wait, so <laughs> was the noise ever real? You know, like, it makes you start wondering. I mean, of course, it's not as loud and stuff, but I just assume they turned the volume down. Then. Um, so it's kind of interesting. And, of course, I think WWF has... I don't know if they were sued, but I think they got in trouble for fake noise back in the day, didn't they? Uh, uh,
1: not not in trouble. They just uh you know, they were the people were calling them out. I'm like, you have a crowd, but they're not cheering the way okay. you want them to cheer based on your story. Um so you know, like they just kind of got called out, like, hey, yeah. why right. why are you doing this, right? Um, <gasps> but this is great because you know, now you can, uh, you can do whatever you want. This is perfect for WWE because they've always had problems, like people cheering or booing the the proper people. So now they could dictate all that. And that that's beautiful for their business model. Right. They're like, they don't have to work. Part of it. It's like, man, and part, part of it, this, this COVID is good because you know, before we used to have to wait, we, we had to try to cram everything in before the crowd, like, like, all, all the stuff that we're shooting before the crowd gets restless and wants to leave and all that kind of stuff.
2: Um, hold on a sec. You're And, and now <laughs> you don't have to worry about like
1: any of that pretty much. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know where I was going with that. Sorry. My dog was barking.
0: Yeah, no, you're good. Well, it's funny because uh, we're, Again, in in a little you know Facebook group, we're kind of talking a little bit about the the lack of fans and that there's allegedly going to be twenty five thousand at WrestleMania and whether that's a real number, blah blah blah. And I just I brought up this idea of you know in one part it's cool because you know things can't be chanted that are completely unnecessary. Yep. But on the other part, um, you know, as a fan who maybe didn't want Roman Reigns to be champion a few years ago, imagine no fans to boo after The Rock comes out at Royal Rumble and helps. That entire storyline is different. Vince gets to push Roman the way he wants because he doesn't have fan feedback. Or Daniel Bryan probably is never, in WWE, is never good. (laughs) We we know he's a hell of a guy, wrestler, everything um, outside of it. But um, without the yes movement, um, he probably never gets the, uh, the WrestleMania spot and the championship belt, which was like really successful for them. But he never gets that chance, most likely, um, especially because Vince likes the 6'10", 325 pound guy uh, all the time. Not just like, you know, I mean, if, if, if given the choice two equals i'll take that monster too you know because it's amazing to see him work but you know that's not always the case anyhow so so i think ufc same thing one minute it's awesome man you see the guy he gets kicked in his ribs and you hear that slap and you're like holy crap but then you miss the fans who all twenty thousand go whoo at the same time right um and they've talked about how The guys in the ring, octagon, whatever, you know, they hear the announcers and so they can hear, especially if they've got, you know, Daniel Cormier, Joe Rogan, some of these guys that know just about everything, especially if they hear him pointing out what the other guy's doing, they make the adjustment better than if their coach told them about it. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You can hear everything.
0: <laughs> there's ups and downs. Um, you know, when it comes to that aspect, obviously there's no real upside to COVID, you know, when people are dying of it and stuff like that. But when we're looking at it from this side, there's ups and downs to the fans or live crowds, um, you know, being at, at things and stuff like that. So I guess, uh, you know, we've, we've been pretty serious. What's probably like the worst, silliest thing you had to do as a as a performer um that you're like i can't believe this is this is what i'm gonna do but hey i'm getting paid and i love the business
1: Oh i mean there was there was uh several of those i mean just uh you know i mean i had to shave my head on tv i had long hair like i thought that was ridiculous they shot me in the back with the paintball gun and the back, <laughs> you know like But I'm like, this is ridiculous, but I understood the story we were trying to tell, and that's what it comes down to. Um, So, I mean, that's a lot of silly stuff. Uh, It's – even going back to when I was in Lucha Libre USA, I'm like, I'm playing this super right-winged, like, American. Yeah. You know, like – and your guys are saying I'm from Scottsdale, Arizona and everything. I'm like, I've never even been there in my life. Like <laughs> we're, we're insulting the intelligence of the fans. Anybody that, that would recognize me knows I'm that's, that's not me. I've been flying the Canadian flag for like 21 years now. Yeah. Um, so it is what it is. Um, Hey, get, you know, paid to do it. Uh, yeah. so those silly things, but that's, that's pro wrestling. It's silly. Um, but, you know, the silliness really makes it like the the genuine reactions from the fans. That's that's organic. That's something that, you know, uh, you can't write as like a like a script writer or whatever. What you said it best, like whatever happens, like people and that's what gets mo- people emotionally invested too. watching at home. It's like, wow, you know, but then when you have that fake crowd noise, it's like, OK, that's how we should be cheering. But maybe inside, I don't. Yeah. Like it. it it's it's and people know it's fake. But it
0: be just going off the internet, because we know there's plenty of trolls, right? There's plenty of people that will log on to the most popular thing that's ever happened and just say terrible things about it. There's also people that will log on and probably say good things about terrible things. You know, they'll they'll watch a terrorist attack and have some, they think they're funny or whatever they think. And yeah. So to just use the internet is tricky. So you kind of need the live crowds for your, you know, your sport, your entertainment. Um, you know to get the the honest feedback um hopefully <laughs> i guess you never really know um, cuz the fans always have in mind what's best you know it's just like we're all better general managers of the lions than any general manager has been um yeah. we're better players uh than than people and we're clearly better writers for wrestling than any of you guys have ever been yeah. um i've been watching it my the whole life man I've, yeah. i know what I, want. I know what's good i know what the people need so
1: yeah. You could do my job. No problem. Easy. Yeah, it's
0: mean, easy. It's easy. It's fake anyways. So, <laughs> um, yeah, man, that's, uh, that's, that's, it's, it's an interesting sport. You know, you kind of started like how uh, for a while it wasn't cool, you know, and so I never would talk to people about it. And then all of a sudden, all you could do was talk to people about it. And now you're kind of at a point where there's so much reality TV that it's like, You know, I think Jim Gaffigan has a joke like everybody likes McDonald's, you know, it's just your McDonald's is People Magazine and my McDonald's is actual McDonald's and your McDonald's is wrestling. You know, like we all have something that's not good for you or we shouldn't be doing that we're doing, you know, Mm -hmm. and so whether you're watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians or you're watching AEW on Wednesday nights, I mean, you're watching something ridiculous that probably is not really useful, but it's entertaining and You know, it's fun. So um I'm glad, you know, personally that you're back, you know, in the business, so to speak. I think that you bring a lot to the business. I mean, I don't I don't know enough other wrestlers to compare, but I just know through conversation, you know, with you over the years and hanging out and just going grabbing dinner or whatever. Um, I know you have a lot of good insight and I know that you have, you know, back to your original point of why you'd go and, and wrestle in a gymnasium is because you love the the business. So, you know, I think that's obviously first and foremost, anyone who's doing it for a paycheck is never going to be good at it, whether it's, you know, my business, your business or anything else. So, uh, so I think it's awesome. When, when is the, um, is there going to be more? I mean, I know there's one kind of like mixed, you know, show, is this going to continue with impact in AEW or is it going to go impact in new Japan, which just merge with somebody or kind of like, what's, what's the thoughts, any idea? Um, Well, I
1: mean, you know, they're kind of leaving me in the dark, which I'm, I'm glad because I like to be surprised too. In a business that, you know, I used to grow up watching, I loved it for the surprises and stuff. And then, you know, when you're part of the show, it's like, okay, there's, you know, no surprises or whatever. That's kind of a downfall, but you get to be part of it. So that's cool. Um, But no, I mean, I didn't know when, uh, you know, when Kenny was there, I didn't know they were going to give me, you know, Kenny Omega's match to do. I had no idea. And then the next day when we, when we taped, I didn't know Matt Hardy and the private party from AEW were going to be there. I didn't know Tony Khan was going to be there <laughs> yeah, you know, or Jerry Lynn. And, you know, but I, I got to produce all of them. Like it was, it was, it was great, you know, like kind of like a bucket list or whatever. Um, So I don't know what's going to happen when I go down there next week. Uh, We'll film another set. Um, of tapings. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with new Japan. The the only thing I could I can only speculate. So I know like, you know, the good brothers, people that don't know them, uh, Carly Anderson and Luke Gallows, um, they're kind of worked for new Japan. They just got, you know, done with WWE. Now they're full-time with impact and they're, you know, merging over to AEW. They have their hands in everything. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, now you have Kenta from new Japan showing up, um, but then again, if you watch and not safe for work, but if you watch their and shop, a mania, uh, pay-per-view that they came up with, that's like, I think it's the funniest thing. Cause they mock wrestling, you know, yeah. I mean, to me, it's hilarious. It might not be hilarious to you. Cause you're like, what is this silly stuff? But to me, it's hilarious. Cause I get to like sit there and enjoy it. But you know, Rocky who, um, is with the good brothers there. He, he books the, uh, you know, new Japan. So obviously, We're all kind of in this together, Um, you know. We're all okay with sharing talent. It seems like again, this is all speculation, and it right now it just seems like, you know, and and it goes to play really good with COVID, with with every all the small businesses shutting down like all over the place because we're on lockdown, and all the big businesses just getting more and more rich and stuff. Wrestling's kind of relating because you know WWE's the big business. And everybody else underneath, like the AEWs, the Impacts, Ring of Honor, New Japan, all that kind of stuff. We're the little guy. And we're banding together to take on the big guy.
2: Yeah. You know what
1: I mean? So that's that's a story in itself. Um so I, I don't know. I mean, I won't know until next week what's going on. I I I I won't probably won't get the scripts until like I get down there. Um so I don't know what's going on. And I'm excited to see. And I, I mean it's uh it'll be interesting if new Japan guys show up and stuff. It's, it's, it's exciting. It's an exciting time in professional wrestling. I hope this is like the big turn, like back in the, you know, attitude era and stuff. I hope it brings more eyes to the product and people can appreciate it. Um, and that's really what it's all about at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. Well, I do think, as you said earlier, there's tons of talent available now. Um, and I, and I don't know exactly why. I don't know if it's because everyone grew up, um, watching the, the biggest probably explosion of wrestling. So they want to get into it. I don't know if it's because a lot of athletics and you, they can't go to that next level, whether they're football player, gymnastics, doesn't even matter dancer, you know, something that they're athletic and and they need another outlet. I'm not sure, but I do know that there's a lot of people out there, um, even on, even not on TV signed by the companies um, that they work for let alone people that aren't even signed yet so it's it it seems like and I think the f- people that have liked wrestling are looking for it but I just don't know if I don't know if anyone I know I don't know exactly what I'm looking for cause I don't want quote the attitude era again you know it's like I, it's like that was awesome but you can't replicate it so kind of don't try you know so it's like when I can sit here and say, well, I'm I'm waiting for it. It's like, well, what am I waiting for? You know, but I just know that there definitely is the opportunity for, for that explosion to happen again. And I do think personally, I do think it makes tons of sense to have some sort of crossover and cross promotion going on. Um, I realize there can be a lot of issues with that for various reasons, Um, you know, business-wise and non-business-wise, but To do it even just a few times in a year, um, I think is beneficial to the business. And I think it's beneficial for the talent when we know that you can't do that type of thing through WWE and and maybe you'd love to. Maybe, you know, they would really, really love to wrestle somebody else and they're never gonna get that opportunity staying on that program. So I think there's a lot of different opportunities out there. So it'd be interesting to see how it goes. Um, Yeah, so. I guess at that man, I think we've ran a lot longer than I thought or than I told you. So I appreciate you sticking it out with me here.
1: Yeah, hey, no problem. I'm I'm used to the, the podcast industry now.
0: <laughs> Just sitting and talking.
1: <laughs> sitting and talking. Hence the the microphone and the camera and stuff. Like why why did I invest in this? Because I sit and talk a lot now.
0: Yeah. now I, I got to get a new one. I, I bought one. I tried it like three different times. Then I just went with it and I noticed the feedback myself. So I got rid of it and it was more expensive than the one you told me you bought. So I'll have to get <laughs> yours from you uh, when we hang up here. So. I'll send you the link. Awesome. Hey, uh, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining me. I really do appreciate it. And, um, we will chat soon, my man.
2: All right.